I've just about had enough of you. I'm more than machine. A man made out of pig. I am at your disposal with 187 other languages along with their various dialects and subtongues. Dialects and subtongues. Hello and welcome to another episode of 50 Years of Shit Robots with Matt and Stephen. And today... We're doing something a little bit different. I feel like I'm way out of my comfort zone with what we're about to do. Because we're going to essentially like review a film that is out at the moment that's got a robot in. And we can't really say anything about the film because it'll just be full of spoilers. So be full of spoilers, yes. (laughs) (laughs) We can maybe walk, walk, tiptoe around certain things. But it was weird because I was in the cinema... I went to see it last week and I couldn't like usually I make notes when I watch films or cuz I watch them on you know on the telly or on on my computer I can like pause it and have a think about it and there's none of that is there with no. with watching something in the cinema Well it's really interesting cuz we were sat there quite near the front and twice somebody came in with a uh, device that was an infrared viewer and scanned the audience Yowzers and uh, when I left, I said, "What was that? What was that device?" Because I kept waving at them. And the second time, <laughs> the second time the person came in, she looked and she gave me a little wave. Hmm. And uh, it's basically to check to see if anyone's recording the film. The biggest sort of like horror of watching this film was the cost of the seat in the cinema. Eighteen fifty, mine was <gasps> for one person. Dan said, "One person." I mean, we've got one of those. They're called Odeon Lux cinemas. So they've got like reclining seats and oh, everything okay. like that. Yeah, but yeah. still at eighteen fifty <laughs> So that was the first jump scare of the uh, of the day. <laughs> okay, so so we went to see the film Megan, hmm. which is M three G A N. And just I suppose I'm you know, just a a very broad outline of the plot. You've got sort of the, the main character is a young girl who's probably about, I don't know, twelve, do you reckon? Who's called uh, Katie. Yeah. Who I thought for the entire film was called Katie. When I saw the credits roll, I saw the character Katie, C A D Y. I was thinking, who's Katie? I don't remember that. Katie. Katie. <laughs> Katie. Katie. So, yeah, so there's this young girl called Katie whose parents uh, are killed in a car crash right at the beginning of the film, and she goes to live with her aunt. Her aunt is a bit distant from her. She's not, not, not horrible. But um, she's much more interested in her work, and her work is all about creating... Furbies. Yeah, Furbies, Tamagotchi. If anyone remembers those. Yeah, they're Mm. just sort of all singing, all dancing, these sort of kind of like toy robots, essentially. And in development, this aunt has got this uh, sort of life-sized, lifelike robotic doll that she's called Megan. Megan stands for Model 3 Generative Android. Ever since I was little, I dreamed of this perfect toy that would protect a kid from ever feeling lonely or sad. This is Megan. Hi, Megan. I'm Katie. It's nice to meet you, Katie. Do you want to hang out? Okay. So this is it's a life-size humanoid robotic doll, which is crucially powered by artificial intelligence and the idea is is that um uh, uh, the more it lives in the world the more it interacts with people the more it learns the better the more human it becomes that's the idea and yeah. so so the aunt um who's Gemma aunt Gemma who's the roboticist decides that it might be good therapy if uh, Megan interacts with Katie 
be good for for Katie because she's, she'll have a little friend to play with, but it'll also be good for Gemma because Megan will get all this access to kind of like a real world environment and can learn things. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> <laughs> Megan goes absolutely crazy. She's got the, this sort of like pr- uh, prime directive, which is to protect Katie, Katie. And she just takes it a bit too far, really, doesn't she? Yeah, she does, very much so. I thought I heard something. It sounded like Megan. If she comes in this room, I'll rip your head right off your neck, I swear to God. First of all, let's, can we say that, that Megan is the latest in a line of these kind of films, this sort of doll, sort of haunted doll subgenre? It's a haunted doll subgenre, and it's also kind of comes out of the Brian Aldiss 1969 short story, Super Toys That Last All Summer Long. And is that also, was that also the genesis for the Chucky films as well? No, that was the genesis for the Kubrick Spielberg AI film. Okay. So this, so would you say that you say, if, if you imagine like the family tree of films? Yeah. Is Megan, does Megan come more, do you think, from that Kubrick um, AI branch? Or would you say it comes more from the that sort of horror Twilight Zone, Chucky sort of branch. I think it's a two-act thing. I think right at the very beginning, she's definitely super toy that lasts all summer long. And then at the end, she's just Chucky. And yeah. and Annabelle. Uh, Annabelle is a prequel to the 90, 2013 film, The Conjuring. Okay. And is that, so that, is that a doll that goes... That, yeah, that, it's a doll. goes mad, But it's goes more crazy. supernatural. Yeah. It, immediately when I saw the trailer for Megan, I thought of Child's Play. And I went back last week and watched the first 20 minutes of Child's Play again. Oh, wow. And that, that is, I don't know if you can remember that, remember the sort of the story, the genesis of the story of that, which is that um, there's a, a, um, a serial killer called the Slasher uh, who's, on, who's on the loose. And he's shot by cops in a toy shop and performs a sort of voodoo ritual very quickly. Voodoo-esque ritual, yeah, <laughs> on, on this doll, putting his soul into this doll. So it, it has, and, and then the doll then becomes Chucky and starts um, being very, very naughty. Um, but it's it has got an overtly supernatural beginning. Yeah. And it made me think about Megan, because obviously Megan, that, 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 isn't, that, that isn't part of Megan. It's not supernatural, it's technology because yeah. she just keeps on learning and keeps on learning and eventually becomes um, just like absorbs all the information in the world sort of thing. But I was thinking, I was sort of reminded of that Arthur C. Clarke quote about technology, which was any, it's, it's any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. From magic. And I feel that that's, there's a bit, a bit of that going on in Megan. And I was also reminded of a, of a quote, a Carl Sagan quote, which I'm going to really get wrong. He was on a chat show and he was talking about the future. And he, this was, must have been not long before he died, so I reckon it must be early 90s. And he said that he was really concerned because we were in a situation where we have a, a society that is set up, driven by science and technology, but actually only a tiny, tiny, tiny percentage of the people in the world understand how it, how it works. And I felt that, that that was sort of feeding into Megan, that... The, the technology, because it's sort of tech, which, I mean, I, I'm guessing probably is is in advance of where we are in reality. Um, There's a scene in it where they're testing Megan and they they push her over a bit like 
the the robots that we keep mentioning in this, the Boston Dynamics robots. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, that was just lifted straight from it, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. They've got a big. Yeah. They've got a big stick with a uh, ball at the end of it that they yeah. use to push her around, which I like, thought was excellent. Oh, it's very quick, very snappy scene. Yeah, but I loved it because it's like. It's like, oh, we're in. I mean, we are probably like uber robot nerds, aren't we now? Yeah, very. So it's like we, we, know, we, can we shout in the big... cinema. Oh, look, they're doing the Boston Dynamics bit. I know what that is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's definitely more Frankenstein than Chucky because uh, she is like a product of really bad parenting. Yeah. She is, um, isn't she? Yeah, she is. There was another nice bit as well, I thought, in there, which is, I thought, oh, that's Asimov. There's Asimov's laws coming into it. <laughs> which was where Gemma, the creator, has, is having a conversation with Megan and she has a real sort of like, oh, no, I've forgotten. Oh, I didn't program that bit into her. Yeah. <laughs> where she's misprogrammed her. The uh, the protocols. That, That's right. That prevents her from um, killing people. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> uh, but there's some interesting conversations between Megan and and Gemma, where she's uh, saying to her, it, it's, it's it kind of keys into this idea of when women have children, that's the end of their career. Mm. And and Megan's talking to her and stroking her hair and saying, well, I can I can look after Katie, uh, and you can carry on with your career, and you can, and it really kind of builds into this guilt, and also yeah. it gives this idea of caregiving as a weapon, using it as a as a kind of a gaslighting tool. I'll look after the child so you can carry. It's obvious from me that you're not really interested in this child, so I'll look after her and you can carry on. Because I think um, Gemma was quite a complex character. Yeah. I think she was the most complex character in the whole thing. Because she instantly becomes a, a single parent. Yeah. And she didn't want to be, but, no. you know. And, and she's, uh, she was clearly not that close to her sister and yeah. Katie. And, uh, you know, at the beginning of the film, she's the, the only toys that she's got in her her house are sort of vintage boxed toys that she, are, are collectibles. Which right next to Robbie the robot. Yes. Oh, I saw it. I saw it. <laughs> I saw that robot. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. And I think that what was nice about her was that she was, it felt like a really sort of rounded character in that she wasn't just a, a cold career person no. in, in the way that, that she could easily have been. It felt like she was really trying hard under incredibly difficult circumstances and that she made, while she made some poor decisions <laughs> to begin with, <laughs> that she made, she sort of like, you know, wanted to make things right and made some, some really good decisions. Mm. I mean, the, the, one of the sort of the, and again, it's an, I think it's a really lovely sort of um, plot point is that Megan, this doll, is is kind of rushed to market. Yeah. Because at the beginning of the film, the, the boss of the toy company uh, thinks it's a waste of time, doesn't, doesn't understand what, what Gemma's trying to do, tells her to, to stop doing it because it's a very expensive sort of project that she's working on. And then... Uh, when it becomes clear that that uh, Katie could benefit from Megan, um, uh, Gemma just kind of like very quickly sort of <laughs> rustles Megan up. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's and, at the back of her head she realizes that she's just making a a big, a plastic babysitter. Yeah, and it's um, and so things are missed. 
and so she does forget to to program these crucial sort of fail-safe protocols. And I think that you sort of think, oh, that happens all the time, doesn't it? That happens all the time with technology, that things are just kind of like, it's just the pressure to rush things out. And it's like, oh, don't worry, we'll fix it afterwards. Um, except that this has sort of life or death consequences for for various people. He, he is the most one-dimensional character in it, the guy who runs the company. Yes, he is, isn't he? You, you well, him at, and the bully, I'd say. <laughs> yeah, the bully's not in it very long, is he? <laughs> no. But the the uh, is it who's he what's he called is he called David is he the one who runs the company Yeah David you meant to hate him because he just screams for kombucha all the time <laughs> <laughs> Yeah he treats his his assistant like horribly Now this is where I noticed there's lots of references uh, to to older films like Jaws there's definitely an element of Jaws in there. You know, we've got to open up. We've got to have this. We've got to, you know. Yeah. D- 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 then there's a little bit of Jurassic Park. Yeah. In that character, stealing things. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And then there is a, a little bit of Westworld. In there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. There's there, but they're. I mean, they're just stealing from all of the good oh, ones, yeah. aren't they? So. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And they do it really well. It worked, so we'll have a bit of that. Yeah. Shall we talk a little bit about Megan the robot and how they how they do it? Because that's all quite interesting, I think. Yeah, it was fascinating because we're all over CGI these days and it's quite seamless. Uh, but um, there was only one sequence where they used CGI. Which one was that one? It was the dance sequence. Okay. And what so did they, they use it on? Her face? Just the face. Yeah. That's all. Because the dance was definitely the young, one of the young girls that plays Megan. Uh, yeah. Amy Donald. Right. She was inside the Megan outfit, which is going to be a Halloween outfit from now on, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. And, uh, and so she's, she's, she was a, a gymnast, wasn't she? Yeah. So, so And so Megan's movements are incredibly fluid. Yeah, they are. Especially in those dance, dance sequences. And the dance sequences, they, she look, it gives her an adult quality, that, mm. but it's still, it's still not kind of too creepy. It's but quite it, creepy. Well, no, it's creepy in the Uncanny Valley kind of sense. Yeah. But um, Annabelle is obviously a child and she's she's doing these very adult movements mm. in, that, in that hallway, which is what set the internet on fire. Yes. But uh, so when she, but the face, because she's doing the dancing, uh, the actress was getting a bit hot inside. So they took the eyes out. So there's no eyes in the latex head. Yeah. So they that was where they they only did the CGI on the on the head when she's doing the dancing. The rest of it was uh, puppets and an animatronic face. Amazing. Which is why I think they kept the budget down to twelve million. Yeah, and and I think that that it's you know, often on this podcast we've talked about the successful robots are the robots that are played by humans yeah. by people. And I think that this feels like it's it's in that world, but all, but also it, that now that we've got animatronics to obviously to a point, and the ability to to add CGI very subtly where where it's necessary, that they really lean into the uncanny valleyness of the um, yeah. of the face, don't they? And and by uncanny valley, I think in case you don't know that expression, it's that it's where um, a filmmaker tries to create a human human face using CGI, but it just, something about it is just off. 
it all looks amazing, but there's just something about it which is is just and the, and the, the whole of the of the spell is undone because of that that one thing. It's that, there's that, a graph. The closer you get to it looking human, the more uncanny it becomes. Yes. The further away you get, and the perfect example of this is is R two D two, where there's nothing. There's yeah. no Yet you fully accept it, but the closer you get. Um, the more uncanny it becomes. Yeah. The worst one was that robot Sophia, and it was uh, it was created. Oh, if you just do a quick Google on Sophia, you'll see just how hideously uncanny it is. <laughs> so uncanny valley is this wonderful graph. The closer we try to re- replicate the human face, the more uncanny it becomes. Yeah, and I think in in with Megan's design, they lean into that. It's obviously synthetic. I think it's because they didn't try to make her overly expressive because I didn't find her to be part of the Uncanny Valley until she danced. Right. So I, yeah. d- I fully, I, I didn't look at her face and feel it was uncanny because it wasn't overly expressive. And do you think that in those dancing sequences that you're just thinking, oh, there's somebody inside there, that it kind of breaks the spell? Yeah. Yes, it yeah. did. But I thought that the the way that they executed, no pun intended, uh, <laughs> Megan, the way that she is sort of brought to life, I thought was excellent. Yes, it I was. Think, the way she's introduced and the way she's uh, displayed. Uh, yeah. yeah. I, really I saw as well it. that apparently the, the design of her, they wanted to sort of replicate sort of Hollywood actresses from the 50s. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's directed, films directed by Gerard Johnston. And he is quoted as saying that he uh, looked to screen icons from the 50s, like Audrey Hepburn, Grace Kelly and Kim Novak, for inspiration. Oh. But I wanted some 70s naturalism to counteract her synthetic nature. So the hair is 100% Peggy Lipton. <laughs> <laughs> so, so far, the film has done very, very well. Very well indeed. It's box office um, is a sort of $150 million off a $12 That's... million dollar Investment. That's first weekend. Yeah, so uh, it's done all right. Yes, I was uh, looking for other toy robots that have uh, been on screen. Yeah, uh, obviously the the one is the teddy bear from AI, which I loved. Mm. The teddy bear in AI, it was just fantastic. Mm. But the 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 most interesting one I found was Muffet. Muffet Two which was a Daggett, which was from uh, Battlestar Galactica. So the, the, the whole of the um, race of these creatures was wiped out by the Cylons. And one of them was a pet for a, a character called Boxy. And he was a boy, a young boy, and he got very depressed. So they decided to make a robot Daggett and they made one and he, you know, he loved it. Now, if you watch any sequences with this uh, robot in it, you'll see that the it looks more like a bear than a dog mm-hmm. because inside the costume there was a three-year-old chimpanzee <laughs> called <God>. Eve. <laughs> that sounds so bad. That sounds yeah. terrible. Yeah, it uh, was. I was looking at when I was looking at Child's Play. I saw that there were there's an episode of the Twilight Zone that is about a murderous talking doll. Oh wow! Called Living Doll. Talkie Tina, and I love you very much. My name is Talkie Tina, and I'm going to kill you. There's also the, the 1987 horror film Dolls, 
about killer dolls. Yeah, there's also the dolls from uh, Barbarella. Yes. With the hideous teeth. Yeah. That that do nothing but ladder her tights. There is a trilogy of terror, which is a 1975 anthology film featuring a story about a living Zuni fetish doll. Is this Karen Black? It's terrifying, even to this day. (coughs) One question I've got about Megan, the film, is: Is it a musical? Oh God, she does sing. <laughs> I thought they those she's... the bits where she sings. I thought were hil- absolutely hilarious. Yeah, I laughed out loud in the yeah. cinema. And I think that the one and nice thing about this, there's always a sense of humour in in the best sort of horror or horrorish film. At I think. points, yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. And um, and and this is absolutely no exception. There's a bit where there's a a really tender scene between. Katie and Megan. Um, Katie starts talking about how sad she is because her parents are dead. And Megan performs brilliantly this sort of amazing bit of kind of therapy that she does. And then afterwards, then <laughs> sings her a song, which is just hilarious. And, and, and it, the scene is really emotional. They, do, they, they, they play it so brilliantly. And then later on, Megan sings Titanium. I loved I loved the singing in in it. Um, yeah, so we we won't tell you anything about the way that it it ends no. because uh, it's it's good. Just say go and see it. I, I think it's a film I would recommend very highly to people to go. And yeah, see it. interestingly, it'll be interesting to see the uh, the more vicious cut that's going to end up on yes, a platform somewhere it, to it see will if be. it. Yeah, it does because actually in the in the trailer. You did, there is some hints at it in it being a lot more violent, right? And also the other thing I just wanted to say is that because I was a bit of a, it's it's blooming Marvel films have done this to me. There is no um, post credit sequence. Oh, okay. Well, the kind of kind of was a hint that there's going to be a Megan two. Yeah, there is a hint that there's going to be a Megan two, but that's yeah. it's contained within the body of the film. In fact, it might be the last. The last little scene, isn't it? It Maybe. is the last little scene, which, yeah. which makes me think that it may go down the line of Demon Seed. Right. All you right, what we're then. doing next week? We've got Mother Riley meets the vampire. Oh, yeah, that'll be a fun episode. I've watched half of it. I've okay. always found Mother Riley to be a very unsettling character. I have no knowledge of this at all, so I'll be... I'll be... Um, yeah, it'll be good. Yeah. Another British film that I'm very much looking forward to seeing. So uh, make sure you subscribe and like, do all of those things. Uh, check out the show notes as well. There's lots of uh, little lovely bits of information in there that you might have missed. And we shall see you next time. Goodbye. If she comes in this room, I'll rip your head right off your neck, I swear to God.